we're back again and coming at you with episode 92 of VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. As I always ask you, if you're watching on YouTube, leave us a review, like us, subscribe to VIP Boxing, please, please, please. And of course, you can also listen on iTunes and Spotify. I'm not sure if you can leave reviews on Spotify. I know you can on iTunes. You all know me, Steve Lillis. You all know... John Evans there with his posters and NFL helmets behind him. He's a little man cave at home. And uh, this week's special guest, um, I suppose you'd describe him as a real boxing man, a former pro, a trainer. And you know what? He's underused as a pundit. He not really knows his stuff. And he's also from South London. So that puts him right up there with, with the greats. It's Gary Logan. How are you, Gary? Oh, really good, Steve. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, it's good to get you on. It's the second time. It's ironic that the guest last week on Bell to Bell was Jamie Moore. You boxed in your oh. final contest. Was it 19 years ago? Yeah, this no, month, I, I think it was. It's incredibly quick. It just shoots by, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I remember being in a fight and sitting there, you know, just shows, you know, how, how long I've yeah. been about. I remember meeting you at the Michael Beckett Brown in the late... Box. Sorry? And Michael box engine cheese didn't he that's that it class. yeah that's right i remember meeting you at the beckett in the 80s but was it 40 yeah. 42 43 fights 42 fights yeah three british fights. title fights wasn't bad was it eh? your career yeah, got, yeah i should you know you know in hindsight i i truly believe i should have been good enough and many people thought i was good enough to win a british title but just didn't turn up on the night and a better man won you know yeah well i remember the del Bryan fight that was the first del one Bryan. wasn't it that was the one yeah. you was really expected to win, weren't you? Yeah, I was picked to win that. I was picked to win that. And I think I believed in the hype. I thought I was going to flatten him. I went out there, tried to bomb him out. And he just kept picking and poking at me. And I uh, just fell apart. And I think in the 11th round, I just didn't have yeah, much left. But he even said it to me. He came up to me in the corner. He goes, Gary, you're going to be the next champion. He goes, I really thought you were going to be champion tonight. He goes, but you just came at me hell for lever and I thought if I could just stick it out for the first five rounds I'm going to wear you down so he was shocked at you know me basically losing a plot <laughs> <laughs> hey G- Gary I know Gary you like the um, every, like the old, fashion, you like the old school you Gary don't you you when you look when you look at the modern fighters all the people at the minute is there anyone who you think's got the attitude of the old fighters is is there any of these young kids that jump out at you as as being as that old mindset, because Shakur Stevenson might be the only one that's doing it for me at the moment. Yeah, Shakur definitely. Um, he he's de- he's the only one that really does spring to white spring to mind. Um, I kind of got a feeling Virgil Ortiz is a bit as about that character as well. And I'll tell you what, that young um, guy from Sheffield, Dalton Smith. Yeah, I think Dalton's got it. I really do. I really think he's got that temperament. He's, you know, he's just, uh, he wants it. And he, we had him on the, um, the Toe to Toe podcast last week. And what really blew my mind is that he was all about winning an English, winning a British, defending his British and keeping it, winning European. If Dalton could do it his way, that's the way he would want to do it. And yeah. so many other kids, they just want to circumnavigate and their managers want, want them to circumnavigate. And I hope, hopefully, hopefully Dalton keeps that mindset, you know, because it was really, really, um, it was lovely to see. Certainly, he lives the life too. He's one of those guys. He's probably you know, had a Mars bar since he was at school. You know, his, oh, weight, his, weight's, no. his weight's always there. He lives it. 
And you know what we say, Steve, you and I have been in this game for so many years and John, you've been in the game. You've seen so many kids lost to the game through parental pressure, through their dads, their dads just pushing them on. Many of their dads are their head coaches. Dalton's had his dad as his head coach since he, since he was six. And there's no doubt they've fallen out from time to time, but here he is now, a British champion, already world-ranked, soon to be highly world-ranked, in my opinion. I personally think he's, he's the brightest of the young British talents coming through, and um, of the young British talents. And, uh, you know, it's a testament to him and, and his dad that they've come through it, because so many don't. And you hear, and even the ones that are still boxing, you hear just not horrific stories, but just testing stories of their dads and yeah. them and their dads not getting on. It's a two-way street. The kid might need pushing, or the dad over pushes, but either way, I, in, basically in my amateur days, I saw so many young talents in London that you thought couldn't miss. And they did miss because they just couldn't handle the pressure. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's interesting you talk of pressure. We're going to start off with this now. And uh, hmm. as you know, Gary, it's three minutes and John Rink rings that bell and gets a bit angry. You talk, And I think the first round is going to be you this week, Gary, talking about someone who's handled the pressure, Lomachenko. Oh, amazing. Um, words fail me. Um, he's been a sensation with the exception, with the exception of the Salido defeat. He's been an amazing exception and now he's a lightweight exception because you know even as we saw the other night against Jermaine Ortiz who boxed really really well um he's in the land of the giants this guy is beating guys who are highly world ranked Comi, Nakatini and now Jermaine Ortiz and they're all you know especially Nakatini and Comi. Comi's an ex-world champion Nakatini's a perennial gatekeeper and he's beating them handily you know, and people might say, oh, you know, we're, you know, Lomachenko ain't what he once was. Of course he's not what he once was, you know. He's over 430-odd fights now. And he's mid-30s and he's had a bit of time out. But nonetheless, he shows what the greats can do. He just digs in when he needs to. He's always wanted to return with um, Ortiz, never got it. And he's, he's just making sure, he's not circumnavigating his way to the lightweight title, mate. He's beating the best out there. And they're bigger than him. These guys are weighing in at super welterweight by the time they get in the ring, you know. And he ain't nowhere near welterweight by the time he gets in the ring. So it just shows you, it just shows you the level of his ability and the fact that he's still a mainstay in that division. All the other guys, they try tried to leave his, his name out of their mouths, with the exception probably of Devin Haney. All the rest of them, they leave his name out of their mouths. They want to circumnavigate him, you know, and he's just not letting them do it. Yeah. And the, the other thing about him, Gary, is he could have had an entirely different career and possibly still be undefeated if he fought at yeah. his natural weight, super featherweight. Yeah. He's actually chased greatness. He's chased these guys. And now... It's now we've just seen him maybe just go over a little bit and he's had time mm -hmm. out with the war and all things like that. People are starting to talk about him a little bit more. But wasn't it alarming when you saw how big Haney was stood next to him at weekend? Oh, it was scary. It was and scary, but Luke Campbell was that size above him. Yeah. You know? Um, Nakatini was. Commie was. They're all bigger guys. And he just brings them down to his side. You know, it reminds me of... You know the Star Wars movies, the, the, the second generation Star Wars movie when Yoda's young and he's just whizzing around these guys. They just can't handle his speed. And that's what, that's what surprised me. He's like a little Yoda. He's just like whizzing around them. 
and he's just he's still mesmerizing. It really is. Yeah, you know what amazed me at the other. I was looking this today. I knew you were going to talk about. It. He's had a he's had a ten month layoff for it after this fight. The only time in his entire career, most probably since he was a baby, who studied his yeah. first fight, he had a year off after the Campbell fight. Well, mm-hmm. and that was obviously because he was waiting for Lopez or one of the other marquee fights. Obviously, mm. the Lopez came along. I think that's incredible. Our, 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 the, you know, the layoffs he's had throughout his life have been relatively small. When you think someone like Gary Russell, how long he's out for. Or oh, fighters yeah. always yeah. fight once. Oh, well, John shut Very me up. Good. And I'll tell you, <laughs> what, round two, it's someone I know John has been with since day one. And... Uh, he's going to talk about now. Well, Zelfa. Enough, Gary talking about people dealing with... Um relatives and the pressure getting to him. Zelfa Barrett's been with Pat since he was a young teenager. Yeah. And that is, that, I imagine that has been a real trial by fire at times for Zelfa, but he's got through it. And yeah, and been with Zelfa since he ring walked for his debut. And now on Saturday night, we get to see him fight for the, uh, the Super Featherweight World title. If you look at the matchup on paper, guys fighting aggressive southpaw, Heavy puncher. If you look at the people Zelfa struggled with, and Ronnie Clark in particular, aggressive southpaws who can punch a little bit. So style-wise, it might not be the best style for Zelfa. Um, but from speaking to him and speaking to his uncle, there's no injuries. The weight's good. They've prepared properly. He's not been out the gym. He's had good sparring. There's no excuses for saying, this is the time. If he's good enough, this is when he'll do it. So I'm biased on this one. Um, fingers crossed Zelfa can do it. I would like to see him get on my front foot a little bit more and be a bit more of a predator like he used to be in the past rather than trying to just stay on the outside for 12 rounds. But yeah, I'll be watching through my fingers on Saturday night and, and fingers crossed for Pat and Zelfa. Yeah, I, I think it's a big arsenal against Rakamoff. Not because it's short notice at all. As you say, John, he's always in the gym. He's like we were saying, like Dalton Smith earlier. Um, you know, just doesn't eat, just lives the life. My worry is always the weight of him. I think he should have been a lightweight a long time ago. Uh, that, that, that's, just, that's just my opinion. I know Pat always talks me down when I've suggested that. What's your take on it, Gary, against Rakimov? Yeah, I mean, Rakimov is tough. He's a tough opponent, especially at short notice. Um, he presents all the problems. He, he presents the style, as you've said earlier, as we said earlier, that does present, that has presented historically problems for Zelfa. So he's got it all to do, you know, te- technically on the back foot. That's what he does well now. You know, he, he's good at walking people onto shots. But I find at world level, as we find out with Jordan Gill the other night, you know, when you're walking guys onto shots, you still got to be able to stop them in their tracks. And that's what he needs to do in this fight. He's got to stop Rakimov in his tracks. And then once he starts doing that, he takes away Rakimov's strength and then he can maybe do what John said, like start walking him down because that's the only way he's going to win this fight. Yeah, just I can't see him winning it on the back foot and no, not taking to... shots whilst it, doing it. It's got to be, if, if he's going to do that, he's got to be perfect for 36 minutes. Yeah. This guy's going to create a mistake. When Zelfa was coming through, he, he would he would be elusive, he would be a counterpuncher, but he would do it being aggressively. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a big ask to do, but I think that might serve him best. But if he wins, what an achievement. Hope so. But round three, um, Jake Paul, and this is a really interesting Gary, because you was mentioning earlier, John, how Gary's old score. I wanted to get Gary's take on Jake Paul. Um, we've spoken about him a lot. Now, he's getting more and more stick from the boxing industry here, Gary. Do you think it's jealousy 
of all the money he's earning, or do you think it's because these guys who have paid their dues are getting nowhere near what he what he's getting, and they sweated their butt off to get nowhere in boxing? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm on the fence. I'm actually like, I, I, I'm, 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 the one there. Sorry, that's exactly what I think. It's exactly what I think. You know what? Listen, I come from the old school. I come through. I come from. Lots of kids around my age, on the streets of London, on the streets of Cheshire, on the streets of Liverpool, all of the kids coming up, grafting, putting work in. And I've got no doubt that he's, he's working hard at it now. But the fact is, would he, would he be getting the opportunities? Like they're talking about in some, at some point fighting Canelo. Canelo might actually take the fight because, you know, what else has he got to do? He's going to generate a lot of money through what Jake Paul generates. And I've got no, got no problem with how he's generated his money, yeah? Being a YouTube sensation, whatever. But you ain't done it in the ring. You ain't fought nobody yet. So you ain't got no right to be talking about fighting the Canelos until you fight somebody, yeah? You can fight on the, you can self-promote because you can generate, you, you self-generated your own money. I ain't got a problem with that. But when you start talking about Basically, you will be jumping the queue. Unless you fight somebody highly world-ranked who is a good fighter, you are jumping the queue. There is, there is no other... There is no, I can't look at it any other way. And um, I had a word with... Um, uh, I can't remember his name. Martin from, I think, New Age Boxing. Oh, yeah, on Martin. Twitter, yeah, I know Martin well, yeah. 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 You know, we had a really good discussion about it. And I still come down on the side of the fact that if I'm a kid who's grafted all those years tried to make the Olympics or whatever, not made it, turned pro. Don't know, I haven't got a clue about it. Everybody says like, oh yeah, well, you should get on a YouTube wagon. You should start posting stuff. It's not that easy. You don't just post stuff and then millions start following you straight away. Do you know what I mean? Jake Paul did well. He's a YouTube sensation board for whatever reason, but it's not boxing, yeah? But what it has done financially has allowed him to just basically self-promote, do the biggest and best shows, fight whatever opponent he wants. And you're right, he's at the, in, he's at the start of his career. He's fought six opponents that probably Mickey Duff would have matched me with. But after six fights, I ain't talking about fighting Lloyd Hunnigan, am I? <laughs> do you know what I mean? So there's levels to this shit. This is what really gets my goat. There's levels to it. How dare he... Yeah, listen, the only reason why people... People talk about fighting Canelo and Tyson Fury is because they are world names, yeah? They are money-generating names. That's why they talk about fighting them, yeah? And that's where, yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> I tell you what, that's the best rant we've had since John's rant again. John did a rant against the lightweights about yeah. eight, seven, eight months ago. That's up there with that. That's the, the joint <laughs> top of the rants we've had on, on this podcast so far. Round four, it's over to you again, Gary. And you want to be something we, someone we spoke about last week, Kiko Martinez. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I, I was just out for a coffee with Adam Booth last week, and he said, Kiko had been over sparring um, Michael Conlon recently. Really? You know, and they both went at it. And Adam just said, Gary, the guy's just unreal. He just keeps coming back every day, fresh as a daisy, takes his licks, keeps on coming. And that's the thing with Kiko. He's deceptively clever, but over a, over a long career. I mean, how long was the Frampton fight? 
Yeah, these are wars. How is this man still having them kind of wars and still looking as fresh as ever now? It's unbelievable. And it's just a wonderful story. I think, you know, when we talk about, you know, when we talk about, he hasn't even got, Kiko, in my opinion, hasn't got to be a long reigning world champion to have been an outstanding fighter. He's an outstanding fighter. Do you know? He goes to other people's territories. He takes their titles, he knocks them down, he slays them. And um, Jordan Gill victory the other night just epitomised it. He's, he's something else. Go on, Jugs. I spoke enough about oh, him last like week. And... Yeah, we, we love him, don't we? He's in our, he's on, he'd be on our, like, uh, Mount Rushmore of favourite fighters, wouldn't he, Keith? Yeah, he's a wonderful story, isn't he? Yes, and he, but like you said, Gary, people think of him as Route One, and you can put Keiko on his heels. He wouldn't be doing yeah, doing to these people if he was Route One. He's he's clever with it. He's he, he can punch as well. You know, he's carry, yeah. He's still got that power. Um, broke Josh Warrington's jaw, didn't he? Busted. He yeah. did. My mate said uh, Jordan Gill looked like he'd just come out of a rubble at the nine um, eleven after about three rounds. He was covered in yeah. everything, blood and everything, wasn't he? Just a, a phenomenal fight. And if you give him an inch, he will take a mile. Yeah. If you yeah. give him any kind of momentum to roll into, Kiko's going to roll into it and then roll over you. He's just a, a tremendous fighter, the best possible gatekeeper in the world, I think, as well. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. If there was a pound-for-pound pound gatekeeper, he is it. Yeah. You know what? what I first, as I said last week, Gary, 16 years ago, he won his first European title. And it was only four pounds lighter than what he won at the other night. He's just phenomenal. I think there's yeah, a lot of boxing... That speaks to his discipline, doesn't yeah, it? There's a lot of boxing snobbery around, as, as you know, Gary. And because Kiko's from Spain, mm. not famed for his boxers, we tend to have a little snigger yeah. about it. Whereas if even an American or a yeah. Mexican, he will be up there yeah. as a name, uh, 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 you know, a global name in sport. And I think there's this snobbery in boxing, like all sports, we tend to dismiss old that Spanish guy that a lot of people yeah. know. And I think that's really, really harsh. There's a and, look, and, the, and the amazing thing about this Spanish guy is not like a, a lot of historical Spanish guys who only did it in their countries. This man's travelled. Yeah. And he's you in your country. <laughs> <laughs> the expensive of Brampton. In your hometown as well. He'll come and knock on your door, won't he, and beat you up? <laughs> <laughs> We're recording this on Halloween. We want him knocking on your door, scaring the kids no. in a bad mood, would you? Yeah, he goes back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, round five, John, and some is another characters we love in boxing. Uh, journeymen have been ripping up the script all over the place. Yeah, this all, I started thinking about this about three or four weeks ago at a small hall show. And I was talking to Lee Connolly and um, a good fighter, actually, called Carl Sampson before the night. And they, were, they turned up and they said, right, yeah, we're going for it tonight. We're going to beat these guys. Uh, <laughs> one of them did. And Lee Connolly, uh, I think he just about got pipped, but he gave a real, real fight. Then at weekend, um, Connolly got another draw. Phil Williams got a win. And I see it. I, was, I watched an interview with Jordan Granham, who can really fight. You know, he was an amateur Big champion, star. wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and he said there's too many white collar fighters now who can't fight, and I think he said we feel disrespected. You know, these people are turning over, expecting to turn over us, us guys who can yes. actually box. It's disrespectful, yes. and we're going to start turning them over. And if you yes. just look over the results of the last three or four weeks, things have started changing. There's a lot more undefeated uh, prospects, we'll call them, getting beaten by guys like yeah. um, like Jordan and Carl Sampson and stuff. And I'm all for it. It sorts the wheat from the chaff. 
It shows the people who've got it against the people who haven't got it, the people who are willing yeah. to take more of it. Let's let's let these uh, journeymen keep taking these holes. And also, John, I agree with Jordan about some of the white-collar guys not being good enough yeah. for a 10, 11 and 0. But also, you're having these walk-around jobs where you're just meant to show the guy a bit for four rounds and lose on points. Some of these guys they're beating, you're not good enough to have walk-arounds with. You have yeah. to throw punches and you win when they're tr almost trying to do their job. What do you make of the journeyman that is this, the current era? I and think it's a wonderful story, but I think it's something that was always going to happen with the pandemic. You know, the pandemic sifted out the weak from the strong, yeah? A lot of kids who were up-and-coming kids just couldn't hack it. Pack, you know, if you were if you're on a small horse scene, you, you packed it in. The white-collar boys, they, they, you know, they've gone over, sell a lot of tickets, get carried away. The management get carried away with themselves, but all of a sudden, there isn't the opponent level where you can build them up, you know? So you've got these sneaky little journeymen who've been learning how to fight, all of a sudden, these kids who haven't even done a proper two seasons in the amateur game, haven't had their grounding and now getting found out, yeah. you know? And so I'm wondering, I'm wondering where it's gonna go because the game does need journeymen, but unfortunately I'm hoping that these journeymen then don't get frozen out because they beat a so-called prospect. Yeah. You know, I really hope that doesn't happen. But it's a it's a wonderful story, and it will tell us something about these prospects who get beat, whether they get back on the train again, whether they decide they're going to nick that. They can, you know, I got beat by quite early in my career. Well, after about fifteen or sixteen fights by Chris Blake, I went into that fight as a favourite. You did, yes. Got beat, got beat, and you know, I thought I nicked it. But anyway, they give it to Chris, and then for me, I had to get back on the train. I was back out in two months. And I racked up another 12 victories in that, you know, before I won the Southern Area title. Those days we had to rack up a lot of fights before you won the Southern Area title, you know? Yes, yes. But I was, I was more than willing to do it. Well, it's a big test for people who've been telling the mates they're a professional yeah. fighter. All of a sudden yeah, the mates see them get turned over by, a, by someone who's wearing a pair of Sports Direct shorts and suddenly they don't look as good in front of their mates, do they? It's a big character yeah. test for a lot of these young lads. I'll never forget the Tony Booth knockout when he done oh, the only yeah. Oh, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, someone like Poochie's had, you meant getting frozen out. Poochie's had two wins two, and he can't get a job. Actually, I've got, I did some match, and got him a job next week. But he's got to wait 12 12 to get a job. Yeah, he's had, well, he had a few, had a few Pucci, wins. Lewis Van Pooch. Well. He's had two wins. No one wow. to fight him. Wow, we, unbelievable. We're talking to a fighter called Carl Sampson. Uh, and the, a guy introduced me, he said, this guy can fight. He, can, he, lost yeah. his first he lost his first 10 or 11, but then he just decided, right, I'm fit now, I'll start beating these. And he'd done three undefeated <laughs> prospects in three weeks. He hasn't fought since. He's not fought since. No. So they do get frozen <laughs> out. Um, are we over time on that yeah, one, John? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. that was a good... Yeah, John got carried away, forgot he's barely won't sleep tonight. All right, final <laughs> three minutes. Um, Nigel Benn um, giving up his licence. Um Conor Ben. Sorry, apologies to Nigel. Nigel ripped up his license as well. Yeah. Conor Ben handing in his license last week. Just wanted to get your take on that. I'm wondering, has he done it? So, we, I mean, look, he's entitled to a hearing. I, I do think that. Um, has, has he done that to avoid any sanctions from the board? What, what do you think his thinking was behind that, Gary? If you, from a management perspective, um, I think it can be the only reason, you know, 
he can't be to he wasn't disgusted with you know and I know Connor and you know I just wish this whole situation wasn't wasn't happening but it is happening and you know you, your A samples failed still got to find out what's happened to the B samples Does anybody know about that I mean what's mm -hmm. going on there um, and tearing up your British license before you've been allowed the process to play out doesn't look good to Joe Public, does it? No. You know, because of, because of what you're actually doing there. You're saying that I don't want a British license because I don't want to be sanctioned for the British license by, by the Boxing Border Control because I may well have failed this drugs test. You know, you're saying that, you know, I'll go and box somewhere else, basically. You know, and if you only a few weeks ago you were saying you want you want the process to play out. Well, how can it play out with the British Boxing Border Control where you've basically told them to do one because you don't want their license anymore? That's how it looks. And it it guts me to say that, but that's just being honest. Yeah, I, I just think the whole PR of it from the word go has been really mm. strange from all of them. When you think, mm. you know, the, the great, you know, really good team he's got around him, I just think a lot of it has been, you know, poor. It's almost like they were caught on the hop when the story broke and it's just been mm. playing a bit of catch-up ever since. I just think that the PR, you know, I'm not here to judge, judge Connor on whether he's guilty or not guilty. We know what happened. He, he's failed the test. We, we haven't seen the B sample. But I just think there's been a lot of stuff happened on each side. He's cam that hasn't been great during this. Uh, that, that surprised me. Yeah. What's your take, John? And I, sorry, Gary. Uh, sorry, sorry to cut you there. I just, I wanted it. I wanted the process to play out. I wanted him, I wanted the B sample to either be, uh, to be a pass or a fail or whatever. And then he then can show contrition if he needs to, or just say, listen, we're getting to the bottom of this. No matter what, we're getting to the bottom of this, because I am not a drugs cheat. By him saying that I don't want to, I don't want to go through the process of the British Boxing Border Control, what are we, the public asks, what are we asked to think then? You know? And that's very sad because got a lot of time for Conor and his dad. I go, you know, we'll go back years and it's, yeah. I just wish that he had been, I wish he'd been better advised on this. Yeah. The, the entire focus of it seems to be about getting around it on a technicality rather than actually explaining why that drug was mm. in the system twice. It's, it's yeah. sad, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you what, one of the most staggering things I've heard in all these drug testing things was recently where he said, yeah, we failed, but I took a test at the end of July, failed, um, we thought it must have been a mistake, so we just carried on. Yeah, yeah. That's just like you, like you were saying, Steve, about PR. That's yeah. just as bad as it gets, you isn't know, it? Uh, as a journalist, you'd have that sort of interview. I've had the odd interview before where they would insist on someone sitting in. Yeah with them yeah. and if someone was sitting in there how they've let that go by a lawyer or whatever it is a surprise to me yeah. because when that in that mm. them quotes come out yeah. on was it friday or saturday that they, they were you know there's some of the quotes in that were well i was just surprised they got through you know there was they must have had some sort of say on the copy yeah. that's all mm. I'm, I'm guessing that went in but very yeah. very strange yeah, that's it, that's it. it is right. indeed yeah 
All right, then, fellas. Well, that's it for this week. You've been a great guest, Gary. Your your your, your Jake Paul chat was great. Everything else was great. Was great. You spoke from the heart on Connor Ben. You still love boxing all these years on, even though I know you're not as old as me. But you know, <laughs> your love for boxing still there. You couldn't do without it. And John Evans, no, he, he couldn't do without it, even if he's having to chase boxers for interviews all the time and. He's getting a bit yeah. frustrated with a few fighters, but it, it, when, once they start talking to him, he'll be in love with them again, I'm sure. John. <laughs> yeah. Is that a Chicago Bears? Um... Yeah, that's Chicago yeah. Bears. I'm an Eagles fan myself. I know you are. I know you're an Eagles oh, fan. God yeah. he... Are they going to watch it? Are they going to push the Dolphins unbeaten season? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we're going to, I still, you know, this season. Is a better season than we could have ever hoped for, but now they're pushing all their chips in. They're getting all these. Uh, yeah. Um, got this trade for this guy Robert Quinn, who's a big, who's a game changer. So it sounds like they're pushing their chips in. They want it all, you know. So I guess that's what you got to do. Yeah, they took Quinn off the Bears, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, it's exciting times for us. Yeah, I love it. Oh well, well, well we're still the VIP boxing bell to bell. We're not. We're <laughs> If we have Gary and John on again, we'll become VIP touchdown podcast anyway. Yeah, yeah. Get, get Mick Conlon as well and Ryan Walsh. Oh, no, like... I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Walsh. Yeah, I didn't know Mick man. Conlon was. I knew Ryan Walsh was. But, uh, yeah, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, fellas, well, thanks very much for, co for coming on. Gary, you've been Absolutely a great pleasure, guest. Guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you. For all boxing info, news, and latest interviews, Amateur and Pro, across and off, click subscribe VIP boxing promotions also Twitter Instagram and Facebook